Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Form Room Confessions. I'm Harry. I'm Freya. And I'm Pranava. This week we will be debating the topic of genetically modified babies, or you may have heard them uh, being referred to as designer babies. Genetically modified babies are babies which have had their genetic information modified in a way which allows them to express characteristics which are deemed to be more useful. This can be uh, silencing of genes linked to diseases, or it can be something as trivial as the selection of a specific eye colour. Thank you for that, Harry. Um, so, of course, as mentioned, I think this is a topic that is really controversial, something that has been coming up um, as science and technology have evolved in this field. And we would like to talk about this topic in particular today, because, of course, we are at the age where maybe in the future, a few years down the line, we may decide to have kids, we may not. And as these things grow, um, we are seeing these in our environment today. And therefore, we may choose um, to educate ourselves more in it so we know what's what's um, out there for us in the future. Uh, of course, we'd like to say before we start that um, we are not qualified in the subject. We are just expressing our opinions based on the research that we've done. So feel free to please um, educate yourself on using further reading um, that will help you make uh, better decisions and be more aware of this topic. Just an overview of the podcast today, we're going to do a little bit of a history of genetically modified babies and where we can see it in uh, already in case studies in the world today, as well as a little bit of a debate at the end, because we know everyone loves a good debate. So we're going to do the pros of it, as well as the cons, and just have a little bit of a, um, a discussion based on this topic. When looking at the history, we it's actually really interesting how this started. So um, there were two biolo- biologists, um, J.B.S. Haldin and Julian Huxley in the 1920s, who actually wrote a novel about this called The Brave New World, which a lot of you may have heard of. This really introduced the idea of dystopian literature and the genre of dystopia in general, which uh, argued for things such as having our genes edited in order to have certain desirable traits. This was also seen more recently in um, literature such as Never Let Me Go, as well as uh, the New York Times um, announcing the brave new world of the three-parent IVF in 2014. So we could see that, of course, something like in vitro fertilization has been around for quite a long time. And it's helped a lot of par- uh, a lot of people become parents if they're not able to do this normally. Therefore, we can argue that something like this can be done in the future. But of course, this is very different uh, when we talk, come to genetic modified babies, because here we are directly editing the genes in order to fit certain traits. Now, one example that can be seen if we were to apply this in practice is something that was written by The Guardian. This shows, let's take embryo 78 being a male. And the criteria that this person can go with, maybe it's like a, you could think of it like um, a leaflet that you're getting about a certain child that you want to buy in the store. So, of course, it's a very dystopian idea. But the um, criteria is no seriously early onset diseases, such as a carrier for a particular disease or a metabolic malfunction, as well as... Um, a lower than average risk of asthma and autism, dark eyes, light brown hair and male pattern baldness. You can see here how we have uh, diseases as well as physical appearance and those kind of characteristics. And the f- the shocking one at the end, of course, because education has to come in here, a 40% chance of coming in the top half in SAT tests. Now, of course, this is a big one. As we can see, maybe the reason why there have been stories of celebrities having uh, GM babies or other, uh, you know, other famous people deciding who can who have the money to do this is certainly because they want their kids to have certain traits that they may not be sure of that they will have if they have this process naturally. 
and therefore we can now again see where why this where this might go and why this can be more prevalent in the future. And now I'm just going to pass on to Pranava, who's going to give us a few more uh, case studies of where this has happened already. Um, one of the first implementations of genetically modified uh, babies, it was initially a theory, but it was in the 2000s where it was actually proven uh, in practice. And it, um, Adam Nash was considered to be the first designer baby ever and was born in, the 2000, in 2000 using in vitro fertilization with pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. Um, so that's a technique used to choose desired characteristics. Um, so what Adam Nash was genetically modified to be was he was going to be the he was going to donate cord blood to his sister who has Fanconi anema and so he was also named as the savior sibling because he nearly basically saved her sibling sibling so um and plus he is free of the disease himself so that's the first case where it is proven to work and Adam Nash is still healthy and alive, I guess, um, and he was um, the first genetically mod modified baby. Uh, after that, about a f a two decades later, in 2018, there was a scientist in China who um, genetically modified embryos um, and they in he engineered them to resist HIV in in infections and the girls were born perfectly normal and healthy. Their father had HIV and by cutting out the immune related gene, which is CCR5, quite technical there, uh, their doctor said that the girls would never be susceptible susceptible to the danger and stigma of HIV infection. So it, it is proved to be, it is, it is proved to work. However, the downside was the doctor is now in jail for three years because that is illegal to do and the government had banned that and he had illegally operated on embryos. So, um, so yeah, so he, he did face the consequences. However, Nana and Lulu, born in 2018, they are still alive and healthy. Thank you for that, uh... Pranava and Shreya and um, Pranava, I just wanted to uh, qu query something about um, the examples you gave, which were uh, especially about the last example in November of 2018, I believe it was. Um, do you think that, uh, do you think that the response of the doctor being uh, imprisoned for this was the right way, was the right path to take? I, I personally believe, again, it's my own opinion, is yes, it was, because um, genetically modifying babies, it's very it's a very experimental um, theory, and he's, he could have gone, it could have gone in the wrong way, possibly losing chunks of chromosomes, uh, accidentally killing the embryo, so losing uh, two potential lives, so um, but thank goodness that went in the right way, but still it was illegal to do. Um, and the government had banned it, and he was violating the, uh, and he was carrying out his own experiments on the embryos. I was just interested um, because the announcement that he had created essentially the first, uh, the first genetically modified set of uh, healthy uh, twins actually frustrated the scientific community a lot, just because they found that using the CRISPR technique, is, which he did uh, do to edit the embryos, um, it, it didn't actually, it wasn't as revolutionary as news stories had portrayed. And um, in the sense that it, it does not necessarily save lives, it just um, eradicates genes that not, uh, do not necessarily exist in the first place. So uh, I found that very interesting um, that 
genetic modification doesn't just stretch to the scientific community, but now has become such an issue that uh, the press and uh, other people uh, tend to sensationalize it. So that brings me on to my first, um, uh, I guess, pro um, of genetic engineering, despite the controversy that it can um, give rise to. Um, a lot of our examples have spoken about disease, and so I would definitely say that genetic, it seems that uh, with the science and technology we have access to now, um, many harmful diseases and uh, effects of uh, diseases can be um, essentially eradicated. Um, I definitely think that's a positive. Yeah, um, I think if I were to if I were to counter this, um, and of course, like we mentioned, this is a very controversial topic, is that we can see that again, this um, kind of sequencing, any new technology is very expensive. And therefore the first people that have access to this is those who are the most well-to-do in society, the most rich in society, which is why we can see it can be mainly be celebrities that have the access to this. So I think this again widens that inequality gap because already when you have um, someone in a poverty-stricken environment, their kids are more likely to have those kind of diseases or be, be born with those with, with those disorders or even, you know, develop those kind of because of the environment they live in. So I think while this can be good in terms of uh, eradicating those genetic disorders so that we can have healthier babies, it only produces healthier babies for some and not for the others. And it widens that inequality gap, which is already exists within our society. I know, absolutely. Uh, I do agree with that. But um, genetically modified babies have proven to actually lengthen or increase the human life to up to 30 years so i, I guess it uh, gm babies do have the positive of increasing human life and so would leave a more i guess healthier and more um uh, sophisticated life that they maybe wouldn't have if they were born normally without the genes taken out so i guess that would be a huge plus for having um, your baby genetically modified so yeah i was just going to add um anything that I would um I would oppose Pranava's view there um I would just say that yes whilst um there have been reports and there's been great things that scientists have done um at the cost of their own futures essentially especially in the example we've spoken about um I think you can uh you, you can't ignore both the inequality gap but also the fact that um those procedures are very high risk and um it's unlikely that you'll hear about all of the things that have gone wrong um, as opposed to the things that happen. You'll hear about the uh, revolutionary um, genetic modification of these twins, but you won't necessarily hear about all of the grave effects that have happened on animals, plants, um, for example, because I'm sure that in tr clinical trials, they're not trialled on real embryos. So um, I think that all of these... Um, these breakthroughs definitely have great uh, grave risks. And another thing that I thought was interesting about the inequality gap, um, as Freya picked up on, uh, I'm sure that it's likely um, with uh, greater you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, babies are more likely F born into a rich households to have better standards of health. So in terms of disease, um, I personally think that genetic modification, obviously with loads and loads of trials, and more um, statistical evidence, something that we probably won't see in our lifetime. We probably won't see it be become a normal part of the NHS, for example. Um, I think that it'd be important that it would be open for everyone before we can start using it at all.
But that's just my opinion. I mean, others would say that if you've got the money to do it and it's proven to be safe, as you have said correctly, that, of course, um, there are so many examples where it has gone wrong. The procedures have had the desired effect. Um, I think it should be uh, not a privilege, but should be accessible for everyone to provide the best chance. Yeah, and I think that raises a really good that raises a really good point. Though obviously, with uh, as we mentioned before, with the socio economic backgrounds, but also as we've seen, this CRISPR technology, wherever it has been used, has been banned by a lot of um, countries, and therefore, if these things do continue to happen, which we expect might do, and scientists will still keep experimenting on this, is then where is where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the boundary? Because of course, if it, this is removing certain genetic disorders. Um, that is a, that is a good thing, and that that means that we have healthier um, people in the world who have good life expectancy. That's great. But then, how do you say that? Oh, these traits are okay, but then you can't modify their personality, or that you can't modify their intelligence. Because again, coming back to that point of the inequality gap, not only then do they have a better chance of surviving they also have more of a chance to maybe get into the top universities maybe have the best better jobs and again it's that vicious cycle that kind of carries on and of course when we're talking about even when talking about biodiversity and genetic diversity this may again reduce that massively because if we say oh every parent wants their kid to have a certain color of eye a certain color of hair or certain skin tone then that of course has its own repercussions in terms of people's mental health and how they feel if they haven't had that opportunity so I think these are really important things that we have to consider when when um discussing about the genetically modified babies and what the repercussions could be of that yeah um I it absolutely got me thinking Shreya about how what you told about these particular genes and particular features that they that parents may want for their babies and stuff so if it uh, if and that's a big if um that GM uh genetically modified babies was legal around the world then especially i can't help but thinking about in india that there's this obsession with having fair skin and stuff so we would they uh, parents would want to genetically modify their babies to get fair skin and would that is that really authentic would that are you willing to almost wipe out an entire race of authenticity so that you get fairer skin we have it's just the obsession and it, it could go in a completely wrong way you know just wiping out histories and histories of so much um culture i completely agree with that i actually i was very shocked to see that there was um when i was researching about the pros of uh, genetic engineering one of them genuinely was it could prevent the child from um you know segregation and racial abuse but at the same time that's quite shocking that us you know uh, one side of science says that if you want not to be affected by these issues, then you need to change yourself genetically speaking. That that's quite um, that's quite a damaging side of it. And I'd recommend to those of you listening, um, there was a video that Pranava shared with me about the um, I believe it was called the Brown Number, about um, in India the obsession with fair skin. And I think that that really did come to mind when I was thinking about genetic engineering. That that would cause many issues, many issues of oppression. And uh, I'm sure as you 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 guys as um, as Indian people yourselves uh, would not like that to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point. And of course, as as an Indian myself and part of it as well, I think we have encountered numerous occasions where we have seen people um, being discriminated just because of their colour or, you know, it's it's very, it's a very slight, it's a very normal comment in India to be like, oh, they're fair skinned and they're not. And that's a very normal way of comparison. And I think many people even fail to realise how 
damaging that can be to someone who is not there i think for them it's become a very normal thing to be able to compare people like that and if they're not fair-skinned then you know do things that that can make them fair-skinned you know which which and this will i think just uh, you know kind of propagate that cycle even more but i think moving the conversation slightly from here as well um even with these particular genes um a lot of uh particular scientists have said that when it comes to such complex things like personality or intelligence as well we know actually know very little about what genes are exactly involved yes we know that iq is 80% uh, mainly inherited but we don't know exactly which genes are involved to make this happen and therefore we don't know which genes need to be edited for us to get these traits if we want these in the first place so even things like whether that's things like um per at the appearance like eye color or hair color or whether it's more complex things like personality that is we we still are not there perhaps we may get there you know in 30 40 years but for now we still don't have that information about which genes need to be edited so we may end up doing more harm than good or maybe not changing anything at all for such expensive um you know processes that can do that have the potential to do so much harm yeah and um i was uh to further further that um the process of genetic modification many scientists have warned that in doing um genetic um in doing that to embryos the chances of mutations is, is much greater for any of you who are listening who don't know what a mutation is a mutation is a random change in the dna sequence and this is can be um can be beneficial uh, but most of the time if something is changing in the base sequence and that's something that's expressed in every cell of your body it can have grave issues um you know key examples are substitution of one of the bases uh, base pairs which make up your dna or a deletion and that can literally wipe out a whole sort of characteristic that you may possess so genetic modification definitely um whilst very complicated whilst we we don't know so much about it on top of that can actually have grave issues even if it is successful so we don't know for the twins i'm sure maybe they are at greater risk for mutations in in many of their um many of the basic the base sequences absolutely agree it also got me thinking that um if you have genetically modified your baby then your grandkids they may have even more risk of uh, they may have so many complications happening with their genes as well because there could be so many things going uh, going wrong with it as well yeah absolutely agree and um uh, coming back to Shreya's point about we don't know the genes yet and so the genetic engineer they they're human themselves and obviously they may use computers and more technology then but it is very easy to miss a gene or like miss something that's super critical or super important for uh, the the modification um so yeah that could lead in a completely wrong way again it could lead to accidental termination of the embryo yeah i think i think yeah i think that that's that's a really fair point and and coming back to i think going f- even another point with this maybe looking at some of the legal or moral challenges as well with with this aspect um how do we kind of balance the individual decision to be able to genetically modify a baby so some may say oh well it's my child and therefore i have that i have that um you know option whether i want to genetically modify my baby or not but of course at the end of the day they're going to be a part of society they're going to be that member in society and and you each person genetically modifying their baby is going to have that effect on the larger society and have social consequences as well and some of us may feel now according to our ideological differences may feel we're individuals but a lot of us at the end of the day we have we live together in society and we have to coexist we can't just live by ourselves and if one of us if there are significant differences between us because of this um because of genetic modifying 
babies and certain people having even more desired traits than others, then that can really cause major problems in society and and kind of div- make divide society even more into kind of polarised people against each other, which can lead to even more problems than we currently have today with international cooperation and, and globalising our societies. And that can become a real issue going forward. And even in terms of governments banning these when, if they do, if they um, legalise it or don't legalise it. And uh, of course, we know that if a government bans something, it does not mean that it doesn't continue to happen. But if they do legalise it in some countries and don't in others, this can cause big problems as well, because then we'll have different standards of healthcare and people may choose to have this procedure done in another country. So I think this can lead to a series of, of, of a lot of legal and moral challenges as well. Thank you, Shreya. I really uh, am interested by your input on uh, the law and how uh, ethical the process is. Um, and that brings me on to um, the process of genetic engineering elsewhere in biology. Uh, whilst the focus of this is on um, genetically modified babies, there has been a sort of a revolution of genetic modification that um, we haven't addressed, and that is for plants uh, and for animals. And there are many great examples of this. I'll give I'll give a couple which may sound a bit weird, but um, each to their own, I guess. Uh, for example, um, there is a phenomenon with a genetically engineered golden chicken, and uh, that's a gene which is inserted into a chicken in order to make it more uh, to make it look more golden when it's sold as food. Um, and another another one exists, uh, which is uh, a gene found in jellyfish, which is implanted into rabbits to make them glow in the dark. Uh, the benefits of that, I'm not sure. But um, the reason why I've given these rather dramatic examples is the fact that when we talk about the ethics of it, why uh, do you think that we are so against it as for humans and for embryos, for human embryos, but we're not so much for animals and plants? Yeah, Harry, I think that, that's a really good point. And I think we've always seen that uh, a lot of the times I think humans feel they're more evolved than animals, they're more evolved than humans and uh, animals and plants in general. And therefore, they have that right to be able to uh, do certain, even when we look at maybe cosmetic products or so many different products, we first test it on animals. And why we believe that we have more of a right to live uh, than animals do you know, maybe fail fails. I can't understand it, but of course we. I guess we feel that there's more uh, since we can talk, and you know, there's there's more ethical ob- um, obligations with humans. We always first do the tests on animals before we decide to whether that's medication, whether that's cosmetics, anything that can, that can affect our body or our minds. And I think that's kind of what's happened with genetic technology because it's something that has the potential to to do wonders such as you know remove um inherited disorders but also to do a lot of lot of harm uh with uh, adding these desired traits that we just don't know much about and i think that's with the ethics of it i think that's it's just a brilliant argument that both sides can have arguments on now one side could say well it means that if we can see uh what the exact dangers are with animals and we can prevent that in humans but of course the other side would be that it does is it justified for you know maybe some animals to lose their lives just because we want to you know test test this technology and i think that is something that is a very difficult thing to 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 argue with but it's something that i think we do so that we don't cause more harm to, to humans who we feel are more important in this world. So I think that would be my, my answer to that question. But I think it's it's definitely one that doesn't have a straightforward answer. Yeah, I agree. Just because we can doesn't mean we should, you know. 
I absolutely agree with that point. And um, one thing that came to my mind was GM crops, when they were first introduced to the world, they were revolutionary. Everybody was buying, buying them. Everybody was like, yes, I'm going to get more nutrition from them. This is amazing. And it's... Um, but after scientific research, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, apparently they're more they're going to do us more harm. They're, they're, they tend to do more harm than uh, organic products. So now, after the whole wave of and um, trend of buying GM crops, and now we're going back to organic uh, crops, and we're willing to buy, we're willing to buy it at very high prices because we know that that's much better than genetically modified and hybrid um, crops and vegetables and plants and stuff that we eat. Um, so I feel like if we do um, genetically modified babies, I mean. Maybe that would be the same thing happening again. Maybe we would come back to that. We would consort to the natural way back again. Maybe we would realize that maybe this is not the right thing to do. Maybe that's what we needed as uh, this is the what if, you know, as as human beings, we want to we want to explore more and we want to try out more things. And so maybe going through a little wave of GM babies and then coming back to the natural consortium would be the would be the a process which uh, I think that would happen. A really good point to, to end on, Pranava, uh, with looking at, it's just kind of that thing of history repeats itself, right? We we do something and then we actually realise, no, maybe what we were doing before was better. Even with, you know, even with the example of, of COVID, like the simple things, I think, like washing your hands, things like that, which are just space, such basic things is what we've gone back to after, you know, making, making progress. So I think while, of course, uh, exploring more and technological and scientific advances are so important we really need to keep those ethical obligations in mind and think like you said with the what ifs you know really assess those dangers and see what we actually need for society to grow rather than what we think we need it we need for it to grow and on that note i think we can end today's podcast um please let us know what you think about this and uh, like we said again please do do some um, further reading or educate yourself if you're um, interested in this topic just to get a little bit more um scientific uh knowledge from maybe more qualified sources but we hope you um enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you on next week's episode bye thanks bye bye